Chapter Five of Elizabethan Sea Dogs by William Wood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: Hawkins and the Fighting Traders. Said Francis the First of France to Charles the Fifth, King of Spain, Your Majesty and the King of Portugal have divided the world between you, offering no part of it to me show me i pray you the will of our father adam so that i may see if he has really made you his only universal heirs then francis sent out the italian navigator verrazano who first explored the coast from florida to newfoundland afterwards jacques cartier discovered the st lawrence Frenchmen took Havana twice, plundered the Spanish treasure ships, and tried to found colonies, Catholic in Canada, Protestant in Florida and Brazil. Thus, at the time when Elizabeth ascended the throne of England in 1558, there was a long-established New Spain extending over Mexico, the West Indies, and most of South America a small new portugal confined to part of brazil and a shadowy new france running vaguely inland from the gulf of st lawrence nowhere effectively occupied and mostly overlapping prior english claims based on the discoveries of the cabots england and france had often been enemies england and spain had just been allied in a war against france as well as by the marriage of philip and mary William Hawkins had traded with Portuguese Brazil under Henry VIII, as the Southampton merchants were to do later on. English merchants lived in Lisbon and Cadiz. A few were even settled in New Spain, and a friendly Spaniard had been so delighted by the prospective union of the English with the Spanish crown that he had given the name of Londra, London, to a new settlement in the argentine andes presently however elizabethan england began to part company with spain to become more anti-papal to sympathize with huguenots and other heretics and like francis i to wonder why an immense new world should be nothing but new spain besides englishmen knew what the rest of europe knew that the discovery of potosi had put out of business nearly all the old world silver mines and that the burgundian ass as spanish treasure mules were called from charles's love of burgundy had enabled spain to make conquests impose her will on her neighbours and keep paid spies in every foreign court the english court included londoners had seen spanish gold and silver paraded through the streets when philip married mary Twenty-seven chests of bullion, ninety-nine horse-loads, plus two cart-loads of gold and silver coin, and ninety-seven boxes full of silver bars. Moreover, the Holy Inquisition was making Spanish seaports pretty hot for heretics. In 1562, twenty-six English subjects were burnt alive in Spain itself. Ten times as many were in prison. No wonder sea-dogs were straining at the leash. Neither Philip nor Elizabeth wanted war just then, though each enjoyed a thrust at the other by any kind of fighting short of that, and though each winked at all kinds of armed trade, such as privateering and even downright piracy. The English and Spanish merchants had commercial connections going back for centuries, and 
business men on both sides were always ready to do a good stroke for themselves this was the state of affairs in fifteen hundred and sixty two when young john hawkins son of old master william went into the slave trade with new spain except for the fact that both portugal and spain allowed no trade with their oversea possessions in any ships but their own the circumstances appeared to favor his enterprise the american indians were withering away before the atrocious cruelties of the portuguese and spaniards being either killed in battle used up in merciless slavery or driven off to alien wilds already the portuguese had commenced to import negroes from their west african possessions both for themselves and for trade with the spaniards who had none brazil prospered beyond expectation and absorbed all the blacks that portuguese shipping could supply the spaniards had no spare tonnage at the time john hawkins aged thirty had made several trips to the canaries he now formed a joint stock company to trade with the spaniards farther off two lord mayors of london and the treasurer of the royal navy were among the subscribers three small vessels with only two hundred and sixty tons between them formed the flotilla the crews numbered just a hundred men at tenerife he received friendly treatment from thence he passed to sierra leona where he stayed a good time and got into his possession partly by the sword and partly by other means to the number of three hundred negroes at the least besides other merchandises with this prey he sailed over the ocean sea unto the island of hispaniola haiti and here he had reasonable utterance sale of his english commodities as also of some part of his negroes trusting the spaniards no further than that by his own strength he was able still to master them at monte christi another port on the north side of hispaniola he made vent of sold the whole number of his negroes for which he received by way of exchange such a quantity of merchandise that he did not only laid his own three ships with hides ginger sugars and some quantity of pearls but he freighted also to other hulks with hides and other like commodities which he sent into spain where both hulks and hides were confiscated as being contraband nothing daunted he was off again in fifteen hundred and sixty four with four ships and a hundred and seventy men this time elizabeth herself took shares and lent the jesus of lubeck a vessel of seven hundred tons which henry the eighth had bought for the navy nobody questioned slavery in those days the great spanish missionary las casas denounced the spanish atrocities against the indians but he thought negroes who could be domesticated would do as substitutes for indians who could not be domesticated the indians withered at the white man's touch the negroes if properly treated throve and were safer than among their enemies at home such was the argument for slavery and it was true so far as it went the argument against on the score of ill-treatment was only gradually heard on the score of general human rights it was never heard at all at departing in cutting the foresail lashings a marvellous misfortune happened to one of the officers in the ship who by the pulley of the sheet was slain out of hand 
hawkins appointed all the masters of his ships an order for the keeping of good company in this manner the small ships to be always ahead and a weather of the jesus and to speak twice a day with the jesus at least if the weather be extreme that the small ships cannot keep company with the jesus then all to keep company with the solomon if any happen to any misfortune then to show two lights and to shoot off a piece of ordnance if any lose company and come in sight again to make three yaws zigzags in their course and strike the mizzen three times serve god daily love one another preserve your victuals beware of fire and keep good company john spark the chronicler of this second voyage was full of curiosity over every strange sight he met with he was also blessed with the pen of a ready writer so we get a story that is more vivacious than hacklet's retelling of the first voyage or hawkins's own account of the third spark saw for the first time in his life negroes caribs indians alligators flying fish flamingos pelicans and many other strange sights having been told that florida was full of unicorns he at once concluded that it must also be full of lions for how could the one kind exist without the other kind to balance it spark was a soldier who never found his sea-legs but his diary besides its other merits is particularly interesting as being the first account of america ever written by an english eye-witness hawkins made for teneriffe in the canaries off the west of africa there to everybody's great amaze the spaniards appeared levelling of bases small portable cannon and arquebuses with divers others to the number of fourscore with halberds pikes swords and targets but when it was found that hawkins had been taken for a privateer and when it is remembered that four hundred privateering vessels english and huguenot had captured seven hundred spanish prizes during the previous summer of fifteen hundred and sixty three there was and is less cause for amaze once explanations had been made peter de ponta gave master hawkins as gentle entertainment as if he had been his own brother peter was a traitor with a great eye for the main chance spark was lost in wonder over the famous arbol santo tree of pharaoh by the dropping whereof the inhabitants and cattle are satisfied with water for other water they have none on the island this is not quite the traveller's tale it appears to be there are three springs on the island of teneriffe but water is scarce and the arbol santo a sort of gigantic laurel standing alone on a rocky ledge did actually supply two cisterns one for men and the other for cattle the morning mist condensing on the innumerable smooth leaves ran off and was caught in suitable conduits in africa hawkins took many sapies which do inhabit about rio grande now the jeba river which do jag their flesh both legs arms and bodies as workmanlike as a jerkin maker with us pinketh a jerkin it is a nice question whether these sapies gained or lost by becoming slaves to white men for they were already slaves to black conquerors who used them as meat with the vegetables they forced them to raise the sapies were sleek pacifists who found too late that the warlike samboses who inhabited the neighboring desert were not to be denied in the island of sambula we found almides or canoas which are made of one piece of wood digged out like a trough but of a good proportion being about eight yards long and one in breadth 
having a beak-head and a stern very proportionably made and on the outside artificially carved and painted red and blue neither amadi nor canoa is of course an african word one is arabic for a cradle el mad the other from which we get canoe is what the natives told columbus they call their dugouts and dugout canoes are very like primitive cradles thus spark was the first man to record in english from actual experience the aboriginal craft whose name both east and west was suggested to primeval man by the idea of his being literally rocked in the cradle of the deep hawkins did not have it all his own way with the negroes by whom he once lost seven of his own men killed and twenty-seven wounded but the captain in a singular wise manner carried himself with countenance very cheerful outwardly although inwardly his heart was broken in pieces for it done to this end that the portugals being with him should not presume to resist against him after losing five more men who were eaten by sharks hawkins shaped his course westward with a good cargo of negroes and other merchandises contrary winds and some tornadoes happened to us very ill but the almighty god who never suffereth his elect to perish sent us the ordinary breeze which never left us till we came to an island of the cannibals caribs of dominica who by the by had just eaten a shipload of spaniards hawkins found the spanish officials determined to make a show of resisting unauthorized trade but when he prepared one hundred men well armed with bows arrows arquebuses and pikes with which he marched townwards the officials let the sale of blacks go on hawkins was particularly anxious to get rid of his lean negroes who might die in his hands and become a dead loss so he used the gunboat argument to good effect spark kept his eyes open for side-shows and was delighted with the alligators which he called crocodiles perhaps for the sake of the crocodile tears his nature is to cry and sob like a christian to provoke his prey to come to him and thereupon came this proverb that is applied unto women when they weep lacrimae quo cockadilly from the west indies hawkins made for florida which was then an object of exceptional desire among adventurous englishmen de soto one of pizarro's lieutenants had annexed it to spain and in fifteen hundred and thirty nine had started off inland to discover the supposed peru of north america three years later he had died while descending the valley of the mississippi six years later again the first spanish missionary in florida taking upon him to persuade the people to subjection was by them taken and his skin cruelly pulled over his ears and his flesh eaten hawkins's men had fair warning on the way for they being ashore found a dead man dried in a manner whole with other heads and bodies of men apparently smoked like hams but to return to our purpose as the indefatigable spark the captain in the ship's pinnace sailed along the shore and went into every creek speaking with divers of the floridians because he would understand where the frenchmen inhabited finally he found them in the river of may now st john's river and standing in thirty degrees and better there was great store of maize and mill and grapes of great bigness also deer great plenty which came upon the sands before them so here were the three rivals overlapping again the annexing spaniards the would-be colonizing french and the persistently trading english there were however no spaniards about at that time this was the second huguenot colony in florida rene de laudonniere 
had founded it in fifteen hundred and sixty four the first one founded two years earlier by jean ribaud had failed and ribaud's men had deserted the place they had started for home in fifteen hundred and sixty three had suffered terrible hardships had been picked up by an english vessel and taken some to france and some to england where the court was all agog about the wealth of florida people said there were mines so bright with jewels that they had to be approached at night lest the flashing light should strike men blind florida became proverbial and elizabethan wits made endless fun of it stolida or the land of fools and sordida or the land of muckworms were some of their jeux d'esprit every one was bound for florida whether he meant to go there or not despite spanish spheres of influence the native cannibals and pirates by the way hawkins on the contrary did not profess to be bound for florida nevertheless he arrived there and probably had intended to do so from the first for he took with him a frenchman who had been in ribaud's colony two years before and spark significantly says that the land is more than any one king christian is able to inhabit however this may be hawkins found the second french colony as well as a french ship of fourscore ton and two pinnaces of fifteen ton apiece by her and a fort in which their captain monsieur laudonniere was with certain soldiers therein the colony had not been a success nor is this to be wondered at when we remember that most of the certain soldiers were ex-pirates who wanted gold and who would not take the pains so much as to fish in the river before their doors but would have all things put in their mouths eighty of the original two hundred went a-roving to the west indies where they spoiled the spaniards and were of such haughty stomachs that they thought their force to be such that no man durst meddle with them but god did endure it their hearts in such sort that they lingered so long that a spanish ship and galeasa being made out of st domingo took twenty of them whereof the most part were hanged and twenty-five escaped to florida where they were put into prison by laudonniere against whom they had mutinied and four of the chiefest being condemned at the request of the soldiers did pass the arquebusers and then were hanged upon a gibbet spark got the delightful expression at the request of the soldiers did pass the arquebusers from a very polite frenchman could any one tell you more politely in mistranslated language how to stand up and be shot spark was greatly taken with the unknown art of smoking the floridians have an herb dried who with a cane and an earthen cup in the end with fire and the dried herbs put together do suck through the cane the smoke thereof which smoke satisfieth their hunger and therewith they live four or five days without meat or drink and this all the frenchmen use for this purpose yet do they hold opinion withal that it causeth water and steam to void from their stomachs the other commodities of the land were more than are yet known to any man but hawkins was bent on trade not colonizing he sold the tiger a bark of fifty tons to ladonniere for seven hundred crowns and sailed north on the first voyage ever made along the coast of the united states by an all-english crew turning east off newfoundland with a good large wind the twenty to september fifteen hundred and sixty five we came to padstow in cornwall god be thanked in safety with the loss of twenty persons in all the voyage and with great profit to the venturers as also to the whole realm in bringing home both gold and silver pearls and other jewels great store his name therefore be praised for evermore amen 
Hawkins was now a rich man, a favourite at court, and quite the rage in London. The Queen was very gracious, and granted him the well-known coat of arms, with the crest of a demi-moor, bound and captive, in honour of the great new English slave-trade. The Spanish ambassador met him at court, and asked him to dinner, where, over the wine, Hawkins assured him that he was going out again next year. Meanwhile, however, the famous captain-general of the Indian trade, Don Pedro Menendez de Aviles, the best naval officer that Spain perhaps has ever had, swooped down on the French in Florida, killed them all, and built the fort of St. Augustine to guard the mountains of Brightstone somewhere in the hinterland. News of this slaughter soon arrived at Madrid, whence orders presently went out to have an eye on Hawkins, whom Spanish officials thenceforth regarded as the leading interloper in New Spain. Nevertheless, Hawkins set out on his third and very troublesome voyage in 1567, backed by all his old and many new supporters, and with a flotilla of six vessels, the Jesus, the Minion, which then meant Darling, the William and John, the Judith, the Angel, and the Swallow. This was the voyage that began those twenty years of sea-dog fighting, which rose to their zenith in the battle against the Armada, and with this voyage Drake himself steps onto the stage as captain of the Judith. There had been a hitch in 1566 for the Spanish ambassador, has reported Hawkins's after-dinner speech to his king. Philip had protested to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth had consulted with Cecil, afterwards the great Lord Burley, ancestor of the Marquis of Salisbury, British Prime Minister, during the Spanish-American War of 1898. The result was that orders went down to Plymouth, stopping Hawkins, and binding him over in a bond of five hundred pounds, to keep the peace with Her Majesty's right good friend, King Philip of Spain. But in 1567, times had changed again, and Hawkins sailed with colors flying, for Elizabeth was now as ready to hurt Philip as he was to hurt her, provided always that open war was carefully avoided. But this time things went wrong from the first. A tremendous autumnal storm scattered the ships, then the first negroes that Hawkins tried to snare proved to be like that other kind of prey of which the sarcastic Frenchman wrote, This animal is very wicked. When you attack it, it defends itself. The envenomed arrows of the negroes worked the mischief. There hardly escaped any that had blood drawn of them, but died in strange sort with their mouths that shut some ten days before they died. Hawkins himself was wounded, but thanks be to God, escaped the lockjaw. After this, the English took sides in a native war and captured 250 persons, men, women, and children, while their friend the king captured 600 prisoners, whereof we hoped to have had our choice. But the negro in which nation is seldom or never found truth, that night removed his camp and prisoners, so that we were fain to content ourselves with those few we had gotten ourselves. However, with between 400 and 500 Negroes, Hawkins crossed over from Africa to the West Indies and coasted from place to place, making our traffic with the Spaniards as we might, somewhat hardly because the king had straightly commanded all his governors by no means to suffer any trade to be made with us. Notwithstanding, we had reasonable trade and courteous entertainment for a good part of the way. In Rio de la Hacha, the Spaniards received the English with a volley that killed a couple of men, whereupon the English smashed in the gates while the Spaniards retired. But after this little bit of punctilio, trade went on under cover of night so briskly that two hundred negroes were sold at good prices. From there to Cartagena, the inhabitants were glad of us and traded willingly, supply being short and demand extra high. 
then came a real rebuff from the governor of cartagena followed by a terrific storm which so beat the jesus that we cut down all her higher buildings deck superstructures then the course was shaped for florida but a new storm drove the battered flotilla back to the port which serveth the city of mexico called st john de ulia the modern vera cruz the historic vera cruz was fifteen miles north of this harbor here thinking us to be the fleet of spain the chief officers of the country came aboard us which being deceived of their expectation were greatly dismayed but when they saw our demand was nothing but victuals, were recomforted i for it is hawkins own story found in the same port twelve ships which had in them by report two hundred thousand pounds in gold and silver all which being in my possession that is at my mercy with the king's island i set at liberty what was to be done hawkins had a hundred negroes still to sell but it was four hundred miles to mexico city and back again and a new spanish viceroy was aboard the big spanish fleet that was daily expected to arrive in this very port if a permit to sell came back from the capital in time well and good if no more than time to replenish stores was allowed good enough despite the loss of sales but what if the spanish fleet arrived the king's island was a low little reef right in the mouth of the harbour which it all but barred moreover no vessel could live through a northerly gale inside the harbour the only one on that coast unless securely moored to the island itself consequently whoever held the island commanded the situation altogether there was not much time for consultation for the very next morning we saw open of the haven thirteen great ships the fleet of spain it was a terrible predicament now said i i am in two dangers and forced to receive the one of them either i must have kept out the fleet which with god's help i was very well able to do or else suffer them to enter with their accustomed treason if i had kept them out then there had been present shipwreck of all that fleet which amounted in value to six millions which was in value of our money one million eight hundred thousand pounds which i considered i was not able to answer fearing the queen's majesty's indignation thus with myself revolving the doubts i thought better to abide the jut of the uncertainty than of the certainty so after conditions had been agreed upon and hostages exchanged the thirteen spanish ships sailed in the little island remained in english hands and the spaniards were profuse in promises but having secretly made their preparations the spaniards who were in overwhelming numbers suddenly set upon the english by land and sea every englishman ashore was killed except a few who got off in a boat to the jesus the jesus and the minion cut their head fast hauled clear by their stern fasts drove back the boarding parties and engaged the spanish fleet at about a hundred yards within an hour the spanish flagship and another were sunk a third vessel was burning furiously for and aft while every english deck was clear of enemies but the spaniards had swarmed on to the island from all sides and were firing into the english hulls at only a few feet from the cannon's mouth hawkins was cool as ever calling for a tankard of beer he drank to the health of the gunners who accounted for most of the five hundred and forty men killed on the spanish side stand by your ordnance lustily he cried as he put the tankard down and a round shot sent it flying god hath delivered me he added and so will he deliver you from these traitors and villains 
the masts of the jesus went by the board and her old strained timbers splintered loosened up and were stove in under the storm of cannon balls hawkins then gave the order to abandon ship after taking out what stores they could and changing her berth so that she would shield the little minion but while this desperate manoeuvre was being executed down came two fire-ships some of the minions crew then lost their heads and made sail so quickly that hawkins himself was nearly left behind the only two english vessels that escaped were the minion and the judith when nothing else was left to do hawkins shouted to drake to lay the judith aboard the minion take in all the men and stores he could and put to sea drake then only twenty-three did this with consummate skill hawkins followed some time after and anchored just out of range but drake had already gained an offing that caused the two little vessels to part company in the night during which a whole gale from the north sprang up threatening to put the judith on a lee shore drake therefore fought his way to windward and seeing no one when the gale abated and having barely enough stores to make a friendly land sailed straight home hawkins reported the judith without mentioning drake's name as forsaking the minion but no other witness thought drake to blame hawkins himself rode out the gale under the lee of a little island then beat about for two weeks of increasing misery when hides were thought very good meat and rats cats mice and dogs parrots and monkeys that were got at great price none escaped the minion was of three hundred tons and so was insufferably overcrowded with three hundred men two hundred english and one hundred negroes drake's little judith of only fifty tons could have given no relief as she was herself overfull hawkins asked all the men who preferred to take their chance on land to get round the foremast and all those who wanted to remain afloat to get round the mizzen about a hundred chose one course and a hundred the other the landing took place about a hundred and fifty miles south of the rio grande the shore party nearly all died but three lived to write of their adventures david ingram following indian trails all round the gulf of mexico and up the atlantic seaboard came out where st john new brunswick stands now was picked up by a passing frenchman and so got safely home job hortop and miles phillips were caught by the spaniards and sent back to mexico phillips escaped to england fourteen years later but hortop was sent to spain where he served twelve years as a galley slave and ten as a servant before he contrived to get aboard an english vessel the ten spanish hostages were found safe and sound aboard the jesus though by all the rules of war hawkins would have been amply justified in killing them the english hostages were kept fast prisoners if all the miseries of this sorrowful voyage says hawkins's report should be perfectly written there should need a painful man with his pen and as great a time as he had that wrote the lives and deaths of martyrs thus in complete disaster ended that third voyage to new spain on which so many hopes were set and with this disastrous end began those twenty years of sea-dog rage which found their satisfaction against the great armada end of chapter five